Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship, and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social, and economic renewal in our immediate communities. And as a result, the world. Here is this when week's teaching. you have one teaching. hour, you like use a lot of the time to sing, what, what. So that when you preach, you do like 10 minutes. Ah. <laughs> I want to start by saying we have a very, very, very good father in this house. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Some of us only have the opportunity to stand and preach from up here while you're listening from down there because we have a father. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking if, if, if I were me, I don't know if I would give me an opportunity to preach, but... Uh, <laughs> There are fathers who see beyond your faults and see beyond your, you know, issues and whatever. And they say, I, I want to give you opportunity, you see. I believe there are people in this house who you've been given opportunity. And I know the people that are here today on this Monday, you are the radicals. Yeah, the ones, the, the ones that have been given opportunity to lead locations. When, when the people who knew you were wondering, what are you doing leading a church? They know your past. They know all the boys that you tried to date and it jammed. But now you are a pastor because someone loved you and gave you opportunity without thinking about all your history and all your bad manners. And then they say, just here, have a church and lead it. And they sent you people who have given opportunity and said, here, have an MC, lead this one. Yeah. I, I'm telling you, some of you. Like, how would Chairman Julius have opportunity to lead the church? I mean, <laughs> but we are loved people. We are loved people. I don't know if you know it, but we have such a precious gift in our midst. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was once talking with some friends of mine. For now, I'm just going to call them friends of mine. And uh, it was actually not once. It was last week, uh, I think Tuesday or something. We had a, a, um, a training here. And I showed up to help. But my help was mostly running around and being seen. Then, then putting on that group and saying, we have worked on this and worked on that. So I was telling them, I was telling them you see, me, my, my work here is to run, to be seen. And, and, and to report that we've done things, and then Apostle thinks I'm hardworking. And they said, you think he doesn't know that you're just running around? He knows. <laughs> and yet he still works with you. <laughs> yeah. He knows things about people, and then he still gives them opportunity. Yeah. He knows your passivity on groups, and, and he still gives you opportunity to lead. To, to lead things that he requires speed for, even in your passivity, it's like you will get there. He puts a 10 on you. I think that is a beautiful thing to celebrate, you know. Yeah. It's a good thing to celebrate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's good to be fully known and fully loved. Yeah. Because you could be loved and people don't know you. You sort of are not sure if, if when they find out, they might still love you the same way. But you're in a house where no matter what is found out about you, you are loved. Yeah, you are loved. You might be given katebe, but you're loved. And the katebe won't be forever. <laughs> Before you know it, you're back in action. You're in a house where you are loved. I hope you know it. I hope you really, really know that you are a loved people. So help me celebrate Apostle and Pastor Ari. Yeah. It's a very beautiful photo. Just, just look at those smiles. Look at the the matching belt of Pastor Ari plus the head thing and the lipstick. I think that the earrings, are they red also? 
<laughs> we have amazing, amazing leaders. Amen. Um, in, in the book of Ephesians, please have your seats. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. The Bible says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. I think um, I will assume right um, if I say that you know that the reason Apostle loves you is because God loves you. Yeah, he gave you a shepherd because he loves you. Yeah? And, 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 and if you think about it, God is somehow the same way or even much more. He knows your present and he knows your future and he knows your past and yet he chooses to love you. If you think about it, God is not some impulsive kind of guy uh, who just acts on impulse and does things on impulse and just, you know, he doesn't. He's, he's not a rich man who just spends without thinking about what he's doing, right? If you, if you see the scripture in verse 8, the Bible says that he made abound. In ESV, it says he lavished um, his, the, the redemption and the forgiveness on us in all wisdom and prudence. It means that when God was giving you redemption and forgiveness, he was not unaware of your faults. He was not unaware of your mistakes. He actually considered everything you would ever be and everything you would ever do. And he lavished his grace and his forgiveness upon you in spite of all those things. In fact, in light of all those things. Are you still with me? Because that's how he is. He knows you and yet he loves you. He sees you and all the things that you do and he still loves you. In Psalms chapter 1 verse 6, the Bible says that the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Ah, the way of the ungodly, yeah. He knows, the Lord knows the way of the righteous. He's intimate, intimately aware of your way. Amen. There is nothing that you do or that you go through that God is not aware of. Do you understand? Yeah, even the things you did this morning and the things you will do in the future and the things you have done in the past, he's intimately aware of the way of the righteous. He knows, and yet he still calls them the righteous. Are you still with me? So having known the, right, the way of the righteous in all wisdom and prudence, he still lavished. And I like the word lavished in the ESV. Here it says he made to abound its good. He lavished his forgiveness, his redemption, his grace toward you. He knows your way and still lavishes. Are you still with me? Because you see, when God gives, he doesn't hold back. Yeah? Most times when you think of people who don't hold back, you might think they are being careless with their gift. Uh, do you even know who you're giving that money? It's going to spoil them. It's going to kill them or I don't know, whatever thing. But God somehow is not worried about what you might do with his forgiveness. You may be worried about it and thinking, oh, too much grace, I'm now going to sin and whatever and all that. But God, having considered in his wisdom and having prudently looked at your way and everywhere you will be, he decided you need this abundance of grace. So you might as well stop worrying about it being too much and all that. I know I'm helping someone. Yeah, I have one, two witnesses over there. Okay, there are ten witnesses in the house. <laughs> Amen. Stay with me. So God, when he is blessing, when he is giving to you, he lavishes. That's how generous he is. Concerning Jesus in the book of John, the Bible said that he gave him the spirit without measure. He didn't... He didn't you know, give him installments as he, as, he, as, as he requires for the moment. He poured out his spirit on him without measure. It was so much so that, you see, when the, the Bible says in Acts 10, 38, he went about doing good because he was anointed by the Holy Spirit, right? And the, 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 the way God poured the spirit upon him was such that he did so many things that John at the end of the book says that he performed such miracles that if they were all written, they would, the, the world could not contain the books. I don't know if you've read that verse before. So he had enough anointing to perform miracles that if you write books, the world could not contain them. Do you understand? If I may digress a bit, that, that then 
helps you to, to, to not be too judgmental about ministers you don't understand in their administration because they may be doing things that never made it to the book. Does that make sense? Because the Bible says that he gives the Holy Spirit um, to everyone, but the administration is different or the operation is different. So the way you operate it may not be the same way another man operates it. Do you understand? Yeah, which is why you don't judge the servants of God. You leave them to God because what they are doing may be something that didn't make it to the book, but because you don't understand it, you judge. Are you still with me? So anyway, he gives without measure. He pours out without measure. In the scripture, he talks about... Well, let me just add one more thing. In his giving without measure, God has considered, and I think I've said this before, but I, I feel like I need to repeat it. God has considered every season of your life, right? He has considered every day of your life. He has considered all the good things that will, will happen to you. He has considered all the bad things that will happen to you. He has considered the persecutions. He has considered the moment you will plant the church. He has considered the struggle to grow it. He has considered the, the hectic reports. He has considered when you don't have money on your account. He has considered when you get the new job. He has considered everything about you. Do you understand? And having considered everything about you, he gave you grace for every season in your life. You see what I'm saying? Because the things that God would do for you, he has already done in Jesus. Does, does that make sense? And so there is nothing right now that you need for any season in your life that you don't already have. Are you still with me? The Bible says that he has given us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. You, you still with me? Everything. Not he will give us not he might give us, not he is giving us uh, as we go along, but his divine power has given, past tense, all things that pertain to life and godliness. So everything that pertains to your life, God has already provided the necessary stuff that you need to make it work. Are you still with me? While you're praying to God for... Um, for more grace, I, I will use ministry because in, in Worship Harvest we plant life-giving <laughs> churches, you see. That's, that's what we do. So I'll, I'll keep using ministerial examples. God knew that you're going to build a cathedral. And as such, he made you an able minister of the, of the covenant, of the new covenant long ago. And he placed all the people that you will need on the inside of you. So that when he sends you out, you're just manifesting what is already on the inside. Right? Now, so many times when we don't know that, we act as though God has not yet already done what we desire. You see? Because you see, the process of faith is not to, to create things that don't exist yet. It's just to manifest that which already is. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It doesn't say that they don't exist. They exist. They are just not seen. Faith puts substance on them. Faith gives you the evidence that they actually do already exist. Right? So when he says he has given you all things that pertain to life and godliness, he also supplies you the faith necessary to make them available and manifest them in the now. Are you still with me? Are you still with me? Let me, let me just go a bit to my notes. I crammed up to that point. Now I need to cram some. <laughs> Amen. So he knows your way. And in Isaiah it says that he declares the end from the beginning. So God stood in Genesis before in the beginning and saw your end. You understand? That's why the Bible says that the lamb was slain from before the foundation of the world. He stood before the foundation of the world, before he laid anything out and gave Jesus for you. And the Bible says that if he did not spare his own son, how shall he not together with him also freely give us all things? When did he not spare his own son? Before the foundations of the world. When did he freely give you all things? 
before the foundations of the world. You're still with me? I was about to throw a word there, but let me first keep it for later. Let me just, let me just, it's injurious. If I don't. <laughs> Amen. Give me Isaiah 46, 9 to 10. Actually, I just mentioned that, but let me just, you know, he says, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. So in the beginning, before the world was created, God declared certain things concerning you. And he says, my counsel shall stand. They will come to pass. Joshua said to Israel that at a certain point after they had entered into the promised land, he said there was not one promise that God made that was not fulfilled. His counsel stood. All the promises of God are yes and in Christ, amen to the glory of God. Are you still with me? Are you still with me? So God knows your way. And having known your way, he has supplied everything that you will ever need for you to make it in that way. So you can't wake up on a certain day and feel like you are, you are a victim and, and, and you're beaten down and, and, and all those kinds of things because before whatever happens to you is happening to you, God knew and supplied grace. You see, and that's why he gives us the gift of speaking in another language called tongues. Because when you begin to speak in that language, you're drawing from the things that he has already provided for that moment that you're in at that point. You see what I'm saying? So help me turn to your neighbor and tell them, I don't know what it is that you're thinking about, but I want to tell you that you already have sufficient grace everything that pertains to life and to godliness. Give me Psalm 139 verse, thank you for your lousy enthusiasm. Give me Psalms 139 verse 15 to 16. (laughs) I copied that from a man of God. I was just waiting for a moment to use it. Uh, I think this is the last scriptures I begin to conclude. Yeah. <laughs> he says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrote in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written that days fashioned for me when as yet there was none of them. God has a book. And in his book, he wrote all your days before any of them existed. That's what he's actually saying right there. Yeah. He says, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. Yeah. While you were still a fetus, so, you know, even fetus is like real substance already being formed. But while you were non-existent, God saw you. Before your parents had the idea or, 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 or accidental, you know, whatever it was that happened, God saw you. You see what I'm saying? So for some of you here, you may be thinking that you came as an accident, as an oops, but God saw you. (laughs) Even they named you oops to inom juni. Surprise. (laughs) To your parents, you may have seemed like a surprise, but to God, before you were formed, before any of your days were, he saw you, he wrote your days in a book, and supplied grace necessary. Amen. <laughs> he saw you. In fact, I, f- I feel a bit led. Take me to verse 1 of chapter 39. Verse 1. 
just I want to read to read to you this just this chapter. It's so good. You're going to thoroughly enjoy it and see how God knows you. He says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. Next verse. You know my sitting down and my rising. He knows the moment you step into your house, he knows you have entered. When you open your eyes in the morning, he knows you have woken up. I know sometimes you open and close and you think God didn't notice you woke up to pray, but he knew. He knew you woke up to pray. He knew you changed your mind and then you slept again and he still loved you. (laughs) He knows. You think you surprised him. When you were there considering, should I go, should I not go? Okay, but let me stay. Then you suddenly just left the house and you think, I surprised God. He knew. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) You see, he says, you know my sitting down and my rising up. And he says, you understand my thought afar off. Before the thought even hits your mind, God already knows it. He knows what you're going to think. Yeah. So now you, you think you're surprising God when you thought that, that he thought he saw it coming. He is not shocked at all. He knows your thought afar off. But this is also a good thing. Because before the, the good idea and hectic idea that you got, that you can't even tell people because you think it's too big, before it arrived your mind, he, know, he knew it. Yeah. And he supplied all the funds necessary to make that business a reality. So you're being scared to tell, you, to tell people that's for nothing. You're wasting time. God already knew that thought. He says, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. Give me verse 3. <laughs> Back to Psalm 139. <laughs> he says, you comprehend my path. I already told you he knows the way of the righteous. He says, and my lying down. When you're going down to sleep, he knows that now my son has gone to sleep. Yeah. When you set your alarm and you said, I will go to bed at 9 p.m. and then you snooze because you are watching TV up to 11 p.m., God wasn't surprised. You, you were there busy setting for 9 p.m., but God knew this one's going to sleep at 11. He knew. He knew. Paul somewhere says that when they were planning to visit, um, I think it was the Corinthians who they had planned to visit and they ended up not visiting them. He said, we didn't make our plans carnally. Lest you think we are, we are, that's where he ends with all the promises of God are yes and in Christ, amen. If you could give me that verse, just find the promises of God, then go like two verses before. So that I show you something as I conclude. Uh-huh, now go, let's start from 18 and see. Uh-huh. He says, but as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no. I almost, I almost feel like. Now first go back to 1716. Aha. He says, and in this confidence, I intended to come to you before, that you might have a second benefit, to pass by way of you to Macedonia, to come again from Macedonia to you, and be helped by you on my way to Judea. Therefore, when I was planning this, he says, I, did I do it lightly? All the things I plan, do I plan according to the flesh that with me there should be yes, yes, and no, no? Like, much as the plans changed, he's saying I, I wasn't shocked when the plan changed because I don't plan according to the flesh. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, you, you may be there being shocked about all your, your years resolutions and the plans that you have made and you're, and you're being shocked like, oh my God, I was supposed to have done this by the end of January. It's not happening and all that. But if you plan by the Spirit of God, then you can operate in the right timing. You redeem the time. You see, because many times you plan according to the flesh and so your plans are yes, yes, and no, no. Yes, I will come. Sorry, I couldn't make it. I am on my way. Sorry, plans have changed. I'm not on my way. So he says that if I plan according to that, the the whole idea of this is if you plan according to the flesh, then with you there will be yes, yes. No, no. Verse 18. Then he says, but as God is faithful, 
hour to you was not yes and no. Keep going. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. You see, let me tell you something here. This is such, such a cool thing. He gets his life experience of making plans and they don't work out and connects it with the preaching of Christ. And he says, just as we preach to you the gospel of Jesus and it is not yes, yes, and no, no. Even so, my life is not yes, yes, and no, no. My life is aligned to the gospel. That the integrity of the gospel is the integrity of my life as well. See, that's what happens when you receive grace. It's that God gets this gospel and whatever the gospel is, he makes you become. Apostle recently said that if you're struggling with luck, just take in grace. Why? Because when God is giving grace, he lavishes. And as God is faithful, as the gospel is, I also lavish. I, I just, this is who I am. I have, I have abundance of things. Are you still with me? Or did I leave you? On yes, yes, no, no. <laughs> Do you understand? That you can actually become one with the message. Yeah, that's why he calls it my gospel. He says, he says you are our message. You are our letter written not with ink but by the spirit of God. You're not written with ink. He calls them our letter. In other words, people should be able to see your life and read the gospel. You understand? Because that's what Jesus was really. When he walked on earth, the Bible would say, when he does a thing, it says that it may be fulfilled. Even when he was young and he was, the, the parents were the ones running around, for them they thought they were leaving Egypt to go back to, I think, Galilee, and then somehow they found out someone is still alive. Then they just went to Nazareth, and they thought it was just a change of plans or whatever, but when, when, when they made the decision to go to Nazareth, the Bible says they went that it may be fulfilled. What was written that he may be called the Nazarene. That's why we call him Jesus of Nazareth. If you hadn't seen the spiritual part of it, you would think they went there by mistake or and by fear. But it was a fulfillment of scripture that even as a child, his life was fulfilling scripture. You see what I'm saying? That means you can get to a place where every part of your life is a fulfillment of a scripture. Yeah, people look at a thing that has happened to you and they say, that happened, that it may be fulfilled, that was written. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Take us back to Psalms 139 as I do my second conclusion. Where were we? Verse 3 or verse 4? Aha. Okay. Verse 4. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it together. He knows every word you speak. Verse 5. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Next verse. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot contain it. It's too wonderful. Considering the fact that he knows every detail of your life and he still loves you and he still cares about you and he still hedges you and still protects you and still favors you. Such knowledge is too wonderful. Verse 7. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold. That there is not a place in this world where you're going to go. And God is not there with you. When you go into an office to apply for a job, he's there. He went ahead of you. When one day you decide to, to steal yourself and go into a battle for Niket, he's there. While you're doing it, he's standing in a corner. Sitting by the bed. When you're done, we will go back home. <laughs> then the Holy Spirit will be there reminding you you're still the righteousness of God and, until the thing changes. That should be very comforting. 
It should. Amen. Every part of your life he knows. Every part. It may have come as a shock to you that the boy broke your heart and said, it's not me, it's you. But God knew. (laughs) God was aware. And before it happened, he supplied grace. I feel like this understanding should then change how you respond to the things that happen to you. You don't respond as carnal people and the people that have no God. When a thing happens and it seems like it's a surprise, it came as a shock. The moment you hear the news, you say, Karaba Zule Talagashit, Kembredi Zola Prakaya. Do you understand? But even better, God wants you to get to a place where you're not shocked by, by the things that happen. You're aware. He told the, the, the disciples, they are going to, to, to persecute you. They will take you to prison. They will do this. They will do this. And then he says, I'm telling you these things so that when they happen, you're not shocked. Many people fall away because things shock them. Like, where was God? And yet he was always there. But you did not know how to tap into the presence that was with you. So if I may achieve anything with this, it is to tell you that you can get to that place where you tap into everything that God has already supplied for you. And you never walk in life like one who is lacking, but one who has all things that pertain to life and that pertain to godliness. It should remove the worry, the fear, uh, the chaotic living, and whatever it is that happens to you, and it should fill you with boldness. That's why the Bible says there is no fear in love, for perfect love casts out fear. So when you are in love, because God is love, there is no fear inside him. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Colossians 3.3 So if you're hidden inside him, why should the world make you worry? Why should they worry? What be your story? You go get vain. God go do um. Why should they worry? Hey sister, what? Never, never mind, we need to... <laughs> Okay, now this one is the real conclusion. So then what shall you say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? What shall you say to these things? When you know how much you're loved, when you know how much you're known, when you know that you have all things that pertain to life and godliness, how then do you respond in life? Because here's the thing, you actually possess all things, but I think I'll be right in assuming that you're not yet manifesting all things. That's why creation is still groaning for the manifestation of the children of God. If you take me back to that scripture where he said his divine power gives us all things that pertain to life and godliness, it ends with that we may be partakers of the divine nature. The idea being that when these things manifest in you, the result is that you become a partaker of the divine nature. Right? Because in your spirit, you are already as Jesus is. But as they begin to manifest, even in your flesh, people can say these are little Christs and then call you Christians. You know, that's what they did with the apostles. They didn't give themselves the tag Christians. It's just that they were living a certain kind of life that when people saw them, all they saw was the Jesus that was killed and died and resurrected. They're like, these are little Christs. It's a possibility. In fact, I feel like it's more than a possibility. It is a settled fact that you become a partaker. It says, by which he has given us exceedingly great and precious promises that through this you may become, you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You become partakers of that divine nature. 
So then what do you do? I'm going to give you three things. Maybe. Turn to your neighbor and say three points. I am I'm working my way up to eight. For now, For now I'm still doing three. Just. <laughs> Maybe if I get another opportunity, I will do four. Now, three points. The first thing is, he says, through this, you be partakers. Through what? The exceedingly great and precious promises. It is through the word that you become partakers of the nature of God. In Acts 20, 32, he says, I commend you. First, first give it to me. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. It's not that you didn't already have the inheritance. You possessed it in the spirit. But when you start meditating in the word of God, you draw out the things that are in the spirit and you make them manifest. So that's why he commends them to the word of God that the word of God may give them an inheritance. You understand? And that also applies to us that it's the word of God that gives us the inheritance. That is why when Joshua was was taking over Israel and inheriting uh, uh, a three million, uh, I think there were three million, maybe a little more or even a lot more that there was three million people or something and he was inheriting, he hadn't been the one leading them it was Moses, they were used to Moses he's the one that brought them the land, everything and, and, and Joshua was probably scared and thinking, how am I going to lead these guys, you know, and then God shows up to him, to him and says don't be, don't, be, don't, be, don't fear don't be discouraged, don't be dismayed don't, 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 don't. And, then, and then he tells, the, he gives him one solution, the one way he's going to succeed in his leadership and he says that this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may be careful to observe, according, to do according to that, all that is written in it. And says, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. That for him to be meditating in the word was, the, was going to result in him having prosper, prosperity and good success. Are you still with me? It's the same thing that he says in Psalms 1, verse 2. He says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. And he says, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. Where does it start? He delights in the law of the Lord and meditates in it day and night. Does that make sense? So everything that God has given you, he has hidden it in his word. And when you meditate in it day and night, you give birth to the things that are already in the word. You understand? Because when you're meditating in the word, you see the word is a spiritual thing. Because Jesus said that the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. And in James, he talks to you about looking into the mirror and then being transformed into that same thing. That, that, that you're like one who beholds the mirror. You don't forget. And in... in um, 1 Corinthians 3.18, I think, where you're looking into the mirror and you're transformed. You're, you're growing into what you're seeing in the mirror. Right? And that's what the word of God is. It helps you to see into the spiritual realm because those words are spirit and they are life. And when you look into them, you are transformed into what the word is saying. That is how you become one with the message. That is how your life becomes a letter. You're still with me? So if you get the word and put it aside and not meditate in it, much as you have everything that pertains to life and godliness, you're going to walk as one that does not have all things that pertain to life and godliness. You'll be a king that lives like a pauper. You own a whole domain, but you're living like a servant under a bridge because you have no idea what you possess much as it's yours. I almost have a feeling that's why the Bible says that God will wipe out every tear from our eyes when we get to heaven. Because you look at all the things you could have done. All the things you could have walked in. All the cars you could have driven. All the cathedrals you would have built. All the salvations you would have got. 
you will look and say, you mean in 2024, I could have had 100,000 salvations and I set my target at 20. If only I knew. You see? But because you don't know what is written in the word. Jesus was only able to, to live his life fulfilling prophecy because he knew the word. That's the thing that defined him. Are you still with me? The second thing, the first thing was to study and read the word. Did, did I say that? Or, or, or I just talked? Okay. The second thing is to listen to lots of messages. When the eunuch was reading the book of Isaiah, I think that is in Acts chapter 8, and he was sitting in the, the, his chariot, being driven, reading, reading. Somewhere on the other end of the city, the angel of God came to an evangelist called Philip and said, go join yourself to that chariot. And then when he walks up to the chariot, the Bible says he had him reading from Isaiah, and then he, he told him, he asked him, do you understand what you're reading? And of course, the eunuch responds, I mean, I, 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 can't, I can't get this thing. Is he talking about himself? Is he talking about someone else? Why is he talking, saying he's going to be killed? Blah, 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 blah. And then Philip goes ahead and explains to him what he has been reading. There are things that you're going to be reading in the scriptures and studying in your secret place that you will never understand until someone comes and breaks it down for you. You get? You are in your Bible plan. You read the thing. You passed and clicked, finished. Then the tick came and everyone else can see that you have a tick and you are even 10 days ahead. And then someone comes and explains a verse that you read 10 days ago. And you're like, I never saw that verse even. You mean it was there? You mean it's also there? You know what I'm saying is true. You have been doing the Bible plan for the last three years. You read from Genesis to Revelation. And then apostle comes and opens the verse and you don't know that it exists. And it's in the same version that we are reading. That's why Peter said that the scripture is not for private interpretation. Yeah. Every man of God that you see, that seems like they have revelation. Usually, usually, they learned it from someone. Yeah. Even when, when God comes and drops it in their closet, it's somehow attached to something they learned that has led them to that conclusion. So you can't be the person that says, I will never listen to preachers. I have my Bible. I will do with my Bible because you're going to miss so much. You're going to miss so much. You understand? Because as much as you have all things and you can even see it in the scripture, you're only going to manifest to the level that you're taught. That's why he awakens your ear morning by morning to hear as the land. Ah. So you listen to lots of messages. That means listening and reading. Are you still with me? Oh, that, that's what brings you to the process of manifestation. You find people who say, like, I was listening, and then suddenly I just realized I'm no longer broke. I just realized this sickness has gone. I just realized about what, 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 what. Just you'll be amazed how many testimonies have come out of the Upmore Challenge. Because there are things that are revealed from the spoken word, from the prophecy of scripture, that you will never see if you are reading it by yourself, you keep reading it and you miss it until someone comes and says, this is what actually means. I'll be like, what? It was always before me. Because you see, the scripture has layers. So you can always live your life just on the surface with your small dish getting gold off the surface, small, small stuff. Small, small. You don't know that you have to dig deeper to get certain things. Yeah. Amen. 
That's the second thing. The third thing. I feel like you could guess it really. But, but, but I shall just say. The third thing is prayer. Yeah. Although it may not be what you think. Because this is not like going to sit with a king and you spend your time complaining about all the issues that are bothering you. Even in the natural, no king wants to sit with a person like that. You just go and then you talk about yourself and oh, this person hates me and then this person did like this and then you cannot get anything from them. You have to converse with them at their level. So even when it comes to prayer, you have to go to God at his level. Which is why I started with studying the word and listening to messages because that is what you're going to use in your prayer time. The Bible says that the communication of your faith becomes effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ. You understand? That means you can spend your whole prayer life being ineffective because you're not spending it acknowledging every good thing that is in you in Christ. You're spending it acknowledging, I don't know... um, your boss and your circumstance and or, or, or whatever and all those things. That's why you have to be loaded with the word. Do, do, you know, did you, do you notice how the apostles prayed when they were persecuted and they were told you cannot preach in the name of Jesus anymore? Give us Acts chapter 4. Verse number the one you find. <laughs> this is the last one. Did I, did I say the last one was the last one? You see, when I made that plan, I wasn't making it in the flesh that my answers may be yes and yes and no, no. <laughs> Acts chapter 4. You've not found the verse. There is a verse there where they are praying. Over it's verse 5. Over verse 8. Uh-huh. Now, give us, t- take me back 27. 26. 24. Uh-huh. It says, so when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Verse 25. Who by your, the mouth of your servant David have said. Okay, so here is how you could have gone about it. First, go back to 24. So when they heard that, they started to cry. Father, help us. If you don't come through, we are dead. They are going to kill the church. Oh, Father. Oh, Lord. We are dying, oh, Father. We are dying, oh, Father. Do you not care, oh, Father? Where is Omukama? Where is Omukama? Chitange Tata. Where is Tata? Tutunule, tutunule, tutunule. Good. And God is like, what's happening down there? These brothers, when they heard things that were said against them, they raised their voice. They started, Lord, you are God. I bet that is from a scripture. Who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is. How do you start your prayer when you're approaching God? Lord, it's me again. You just come, you, you just come into the presence. Nonya Yesu Ariwa Yesu Wabulida Wamukama Oliwa Yesu Vayon Kurabe Tewekwe Kabambi. Bambi Yamba. <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> Once I was in a prayer meeting when I was on campus, someone was leading 
a worship song just before we started praying. And then we was worshipped. Oh gosh, that was so bad though. That was so bad. Anyway, when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. And then they continue. Who by your mouth, the mouth of your servant David, have said, why did the nations... They begin to quote scripture. That is their prayer. (laughs) By the time they finish the scripture in verse 29, now they can ask for a thing in line with the scripture and say, now look upon their threats and grant. Do you see? You, when you're coming to conclusions in your prayer time, where are you drawing them from? What movie are you drawing them from? What series are you drawing them from? When that boy broke your heart and you went to pray, where were you drawing your conclusions from? God, kill him. Kill that boy. <laughs> send your fire. Send your, send your fire. Fire, fire. Drown him in the blood of Jesus. <laughs> the prayer that people pray when their boss does something. Lord, drown him like you drowned Pharaoh's army. <laughs> Wash him with the water. No, that's, that, that is not as dangerous as it's supposed to be. You have to be able to draw your prayer from the word. But that means you have to have word to draw from. Your victory in temptation has to be drawn from the word. The devil comes and says things and Jesus says it is written. You the devil comes and says things, you go and join some anonymous group, support system. You, you have no, it is written in you. But maybe that's not you. It's, yeah, you're the radicals. You have a lot of it is written. Amen. So read the word. Listen to messages because they get to expound on things you didn't understand. Then get those promises and apply them in prayer. And apply them in prayer. Yeah. You have given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, Lord, look upon my account and grant that by your power. (laughs) Angels are assigned to bring money and, and then your mobile money just goes ding, money. Goes, ding. Yeah. Because you're applying scripture. Oh, yes. Oh, Lord, you have said through the mouth of your servant, Peter, that by your stripes we were healed. Now look upon this cancer that is trying to attack me and grant that by your. You know, but at, at some point, even the prayer changes. You just look at the cancer yourself and say, Where did you pass? How did you even get here? Multiply yourself by zero. Amen. Have you understood what I've shared? I didn't lose you anywhere. Have you got something to act on? Or you're going to go back and say, it was such a good message. What did he talk about? I don't remember. It was a good message. He even sang a song. What song? I don't remember. But they were, they were good songs. <laughs> it was impartation. You, I may not remember, but you're just going to see it happen. <laughs> yeah, you needed to be in the room. To, I, can't, I can't tell you. You needed to be there yourself. Let me pray with you. And, and finish in the remaining 20 seconds that I have. Amen. Father, thank you that your word is going to bear fruit. 
that in this season 21, we will not come out of it empty, but that we are going to become more and more aware for every minister that comes to minister from tomorrow and every day after that, that will become more and more aware of the truths of your word, that will become more and more aware of your promises, and then we will manifest them in the name of Jesus. Thank you because you're going to, be, to make this our best year yet. Yes, you're making this our best year yet. For the Bible says that the path of the just is as a shining light that shines brighter and brighter onto a perfect day. You have not created, that, created us to diminish, but you've created us to shine brighter and brighter. You said you shall multiply us and we will not diminish. You shall multiply us, we will not be few. So I thank you because that is going to be a reality for everyone that is in this room. That for the whole of season 21, it's going to be increase upon increase, upon increase, upon increase. Because that's our portion. That's our portion. That's our heritage. You have said that we are translated into the same image, transformed from glory to glory. We don't diminish. We only increase because that's what your word has promised us. And I pray that that will be the reality of everyone in this room, that we will have the word stored up in our hearts. And we'll be like David that says that your word I have hidden in my heart. That will be full of the word. We'll be people of the word, speaking the word, you know, singing the word, responding with the word, that there shall be no situation where we respond carnally, but we will speak the word. That our lives will indeed be letters that are written by the spirit. That whoever sees us, sees that scripture is being fulfilled in us. That scripture is being fulfilled in our families. That scripture is being fulfilled in our homes. That scripture is being fulfilled in our bank accounts. That scripture is being fulfilled in our businesses. That scripture is being fulfilled in our relationships. That scripture is being fulfilled in our minds, in our schools, in our universities, in anything that we are involved in. Let us be the manifestation of your truth. We are the sons that creation has been waiting for to manifest. And now, Lord, I thank you that you're causing us to manifest in the name of Jesus. We give you praise. Amen. Oh, wait. I want to leave. But maybe someone came. You didn't realize you were the radicals. You came in but you have never made a decision for Christ. If you're there, I want to give you an opportunity to make a decision for him. For everything that I've said only makes sense if you have received him as your savior, if he is in your life. So if there is someone, to make this fast because I'm already out of time, I'm going to ask you to talk to your neighbor so that we don't like wait so long for people if they are there. So talk to your neighbor for me. And if you have someone, just shoot your hand up. I'm giving it 10 seconds. Alright, is there anyone that has not given their life to Christ yet? You're, I see someone over there. Is there someone else? If you could just come forward, please, and stand with me. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? Alright. Let's celebrate him. It's a great soul. It's a great soul. Alright. This is what we are going to do. You're just going to repeat. You, you understand English, Burunji? Uh-huh. You're going to repeat what I say. Because you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. And that will be it. You'll be saved, sanctified, delivered, even a pastor. And building cathedrals. Okay. Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Today. I give you my life. Take it. Do something great with it. I receive you as my savior. And I declare I am born again. Amen. Father, I thank you that from today his life is going to be different. That is going to increase more and more in you. Thank you that he's established, he's protected. Satan, take your hands off him and his family and anything that concerns him. This is no longer your soul. This child belongs to God in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, celebrate him as God's just go with Pastor Trevor. All right, God bless you, everybody. Hallelujah. Can we clap our hands to Jesus one more time? Give him praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Do you remember the three points? Point number one. 
Point number two. And point number three. Prayer. Prayer. Praying the word. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Now we are going to receive Holy Communion this evening. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 23. First Corinthians 11.23. Can we read together? It says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. Amen. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it. This is my body which is broken for you. Amen. This evening we are going to receive the body of Jesus. The body that was broken in place of yours. Amen. I know that there are people here who are dealing with sickness in your body. All kinds of complications. Maybe it is something you've been dealing with from the time you were born. And it has become part of who you are. Christ carried that affliction on his body on your behalf. Whether it's asthma whether it is, whatever it is, Christ carried it in his body and nailed it to a cross on your behalf. Amen. So he says, which is broken for you. Amen. We continue to read and then he says, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Amen. And he says, this do, and as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Amen. And the blood of Jesus that we are going to receive this evening is the blood that was shed for us. Not just to cover your sin temporarily, but to totally remove the sin nature from you. Amen. That your past, present, and future sin has been totally removed and God has replaced the nature of a sinner with the nature of the righteousness of God. Amen. That is what the blood of Jesus does. And today we have the privilege of remembering the sacrifice of the cross and the blood that was shed for your sin. Amen. And he tells us to do this often in remembrance of him. And this time of prayer and fasting, we are going to be receiving the blood, the body and the blood of Jesus every day to remember the sacrifice of Jesus. Amen. So I want to ask you to bow your head right now and just speak to Jesus. Just begin to open up your mouth and speak to him about whatever is afflicting your body, whatever the devil has used to condemn you. Reject it right now in the name of Jesus because you have victory. He says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Amen. For you know there used to be a law of sin and death at work in your body. But now you are working and operating under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Amen. And that spirit gives life to your mortal bodies. So Father, we take authority right now over sickness and disease. We take authority over whatever is afflicting our bodies. We take authority over broken hearts. We take authority over, over any health issue, whatever it is that the devil has used to condemn us. We refuse it right now in the name of Jesus. And we just declare that we are free. We declare that we are not sinners saved by grace, but we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Father, we declare that by faith. And this evening as we receive the body and the blood of Jesus, we just declare that who the Son sets free is free indeed. Come on, friends. You can receive the body and the blood of Jesus. And after you do, I want you to give the Lord a mighty clap and a shout of praise. Because you have the victory in Jesus. Amen. Come on now. Thank you, Jesus, for the victory that you give us. Hallelujah. We give you all the glory. We give you the honor and the praise. Thank you for all that you've done for us this evening. Thank you for the word that has been brought to us in power. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Hallelujah. Thank you. Now we're going to be back here again tomorrow. Amen. So please don't come by yourself. We'll be starting at exactly 5 p.m. with one hour of prayer. Amen. And then we'll get into it. So tomorrow we have another anointed teacher of the word. Oh, yes. So come and make sure you prepare your special offering, yeah? Because we're going to be here tomorrow enjoying the presence of God and just waiting on him together, all right? And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. Amen. God bless you and thank you so much. Thank you for joining us online audience. God bless you and have a great day. for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.